You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. The Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network is brought to you by Savage Arms. Now it's turkey season, we're all out there shooting our turkey guns. One thing I can tell you is true about it is that there is always going to be more recoil with a turkey load. Now Savage has done something that hopefully will fix this problem for you, and that's a new shotgun that they've called the Renegade. The Renegade is an American-made semi-auto shotgun that uses a patented dual-valve self-regulating gas system that cycles higher power loads with the same reliable consistency as lower power target loads, all while cutting down on recoil. That's going to be awesome for you turkey hunters. It's going to fix a lot of your problems. Go check it out at savagearms.com forward slash renegade. Welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Parker McDonald, and this is episode number 75. Today we're talking with Another Florida guy tagged out in Florida and Georgia, and that is Ricky Bullard. He's going to tell us the story of all these birds and how those hunts went down. It's a great episode, guys. Hope you guys enjoy it. This is the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I appreciate it. I would not be able to do this without you guys constantly encouraging me, sending me messages on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, man, thank you so much to everybody who listens to this. Uh, it's It's been a fun turkey season. We've got to talk to some really awesome guests, and this week is no dis- different. Uh, we're talking to a guy named Ricky Bullard. He's from North Florida. And uh, Ricky tagged out in both Florida and in Georgia this year. That's five birds. He killed two in Florida, three in Georgia. And uh, he's going to break down those hunts for us, tell us how they happened. And this is, uh, I mentioned it in the podcast, but this is one of those episodes that we talk a lot about stories. It's kind of a storytelling podcast. He breaks down the hunts for us. And, you know, we, we, we try to typically be in the tactics category and, um, and, this isn't, I'm not going to say this is a tactical podcast, but with that being said, there is a lot of things that you can take from each of these hunts that you can add to your arsenal, and I think they will help you in the future. Um, just little things, you know, one of, the, one of the days he killed one in the rain and then the wind, we talk about that, break that down, tell, we tell how it happened and, and why Ricky thinks that um, it worked out in his favor, and so... Uh, if, if you're a note-taking person, take notes. I, I believe you're going to find some things in this episode that will help you out on your next turkey hunt. Listen, I need everything that I can get right now because turkey season, um, the last two weeks have been freaking tough. Like, I have not heard a gobble in 14 days as I'm recording this. I have not heard a gobble in 14 days. And the last one I heard was the last bird that I killed that you, you guys all know about. So it's been uh, it's been tough. It's been a really difficult season. I don't know what it is. Like I'm I'm going into these areas that um, historically there's been turkeys in there. Um, I found a lot of turkey sign in these areas this year. I'm just not finding them, and so I'm I'm venturing out into a, not, a lot of new places, and it's kind of the same story. Like I'm putting in about five miles every morning. Um, I, I don't get to hunt a lot of afternoons like I normally would, and I think that's hurt me this year. I really do. This this whole coronavirus thing has kind of thrown off my schedule, so I can actually hunt more mornings than normal, but I'm not getting those full-day hunts. And uh, I, I think that's probably hurt me, but regardless, man, I'm just not hearing gobblers. 
at all. They're just, it's like they're non-existent. So um, being able to listen to guys like Ricky and, and our past guests, that has really given me a ton of inspiration and motivation to just go uh, because right now it, it's tough to find it. Like I, I like to grind as hard as I can through the whole season. And I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm not doing that. I'm going to keep doing it. But it gets harder and harder every single morning that I go without even hearing a bird or seeing a bird or finding a track. Like, it's just been, it's been tough. But, you know, it, it is what it is. It's it's hunting. That's why it's not killing. Uh, I've been told that and heard that my whole life. And it is definitely true right now. That's for sure. Um, but this is a great episode, guys. I think you're going to enjoy it. I hope you guys have been successful in the woods. Um, if you have, man, if you've been successful because of uh, something that one of our guests have said, if that's been something that has helped you be successful this turkey season, let me know about it. Share it with me. Send, send me a Facebook message or an Instagram direct message or anything like that. I'd love to know about it. I'll share the heck out of it, um, let everybody know. But that's that's why we do this. This is why we, we do this podcast. I, I, don't, I don't make any money. I don't make a dime off of this podcast. It is a labor of love for sure, and I absolutely love doing it. Um, but part of the way that, that it all pays off to me is when I hear that it actually helps somebody. And so if you feel like you've been successful by something that one of our guests have said um, in the past, you know, whether that be deer or turkeys, but right now specifically turkeys, you, let me know about it. I'd love to hear about it. That's uh, That makes me feel good, lets me know that um, that what we're doing actually is making a difference for you guys. And, uh, and to everybody who's already done that, who's already sent me messages and, and let me know how much podcast has helped them man thank you so much i do appreciate that that's kind of like my currency for this like i just i eat that up so um man i I don't have anything else to tell you guys about make sure you check out the sportsman's nation youtube channel i'm trying to post as much content on there as i can get like i said haven't heard any gobbles so there's not if you're not even hearing gobbles it's kind of hard to create video content uh on there but we got other people that have been posting some videos on there um and I've got a couple, a few turkey turkey videos, I think four turkey videos from this season. So um, y'all go and check that out. Um, subscribe to the Sportsman's Nation on YouTube. Check us out on Facebook at Southern Ground Hunting and on Instagram. That's all lowercase, all one word, at Southern Ground Hunting. And uh, I try to post content on there daily. So um, if nothing else, uh, hopefully, hopefully that'll keep you entertained for a little bit. But um, before we get into this episode, I wanted to let you guys know, uh, I'm all about saving you guys money. I want to save you as much money as I possibly can. And one way that I can do that is with Scree Gear. If you go to ScreeGear.com, you can use the code SOUTHERNGROUND uh, at checkout. And it'll save you 15% on your purchase. Um, man, Scree Gear, these guys have been doing some really cool stuff on their social media. Make sure you go go and follow that. They're sharing sharing a lot of cool success stories and talking to a lot of influencers and people who... Um, have been successful with their gear. I personally love it. I am. Uh, I am. I have become a fan every single time I go out in the woods. I find something else that I like more and more. Uh, I've said it before, but the most important thing that I have found with all of the Scree stuff is that it is extremely durable. You guys know here in the South, you have got to have something. It's either got to be cheap where you can replace it easily, or it's got to be durable. Um, to be able to stand up to all the briars and just crap that you've got to go through out here, which especially going in deep into public land, um, man, and Scree has done that. The hard scrabble set, uh, the pants, man, they have, I, I wear them right now. I mean, it's hot outside most of the time, and I'm wearing them. They've, they're vented, so you can unzip the vents on the side of the legs and let air, kind of the air flow through, and it's, it's so nice, man. And not only that, but it's going to protect you from briars. It's not going to get ripped up like everything else will so go check that out again that'll save you 15 percent if you use the code southern ground at checkout all right guys i'm done uh i'm done talking let's get into this episode with mr ricky bullard we're going to talk about florida and georgia turkey hunt all right on the line we have yet another guest from florida now i have been Asked and it has been requested multiple times that we talk to more people from Florida. Florida hunters really, really take in a lot of this content. And so I am happy 
to have a Florida guy on here absolutely anytime possible. And so today I have Mr. Ricky Bullard from Florida. Ricky, how's it going, buddy? Doing pretty good, Parker. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Well, I, listen, I've been following your success this turkey season on Facebook, and uh, it's been pretty stinking awesome. You've had a daggum good year and uh, hunting two different states, right? Yeah, yeah, hunt uh, northeast Florida and, and southeast Georgia. Man, that's uh, for the most part. It's it's pretty cool whenever uh, whenever you kind of like you know I, I'd seen your name on things before and um, kind of you know followed the stuff that you did, but this turkey season it really started to stick out, man. And you uh, you had a, a dang good season, so congratulations on that. But I want to talk about um, just to kind of start out. Where you live at, kind of how you got started hunting, a little bit about yourself, what you do for a living, and things like that. Can we do that? Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Thanks. I, uh, so I'm, I'm 31. I'm from Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, I've got family from South Georgia, South Alabama, but uh, kind of grew up here. It's my stomping grounds. Um, 31 years old. I'm a firefighter. That's that's my day job, and uh, I'm blessed to have a lot of time off of that, but also got five kids so uh my off days are pretty busy uh i do find time to hunt uh thankfully but uh but yeah yeah i've been deer hunting and squirrel hunting since i was a kid uh kind of kind of self-taught my uh grandparents both of both granddads were small game hunters but not a lot of deer around when they were kids so that i kind of learned on my own um there's not a whole lot of deer around Florida even now, <laughs> though. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine yeah, how it was true. back then. Yeah, yeah. One, uh, my mom's dad is from Pensacola, Florida, and, and uh, Mobile, Alabama, that whole area. So he, he turkey hunted a little bit, but he wasn't in the kind of shape to to get me out. And, you know, teach me stuff by the time I came along. But uh, mother, granddad. He was from South Georgia, and he would tell me stories. You know, if they saw a deer track in the road, it was it was a big deal. People were talking about it because there weren't many around. But um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I, I didn't actually get into turkey hunting until I was 24. I was in a hunt lease here in North Florida with a cousin, who were just kind of like, "Hey, you want to try this turkey hunt thing? Everybody seems to like it." <laughs> so uh, we gave it a shot, and there was a lot of birds in that club, and. The very, very first morning I ever tried actually turkey on, you know, doing it, you know, the way a lot of people like to do it now from the ground with a shotgun, calling them in. Uh, I killed a bird that morning, a pretty good bird, and I was hooked. It was everything happened perfect. <laughs> uh, I couldn't couldn't have asked for a better start. But isn't that how it, yeah. isn't that how it normally works, man? You're like, man, this crap's easy. And then you yeah. <laughs> start learning that it's not so easy and that maybe maybe you got lucky on that first run. That's uh I hear that story a lot. That's awesome. Oh yeah. I found out pretty quickly that it was a hundred percent luck that first bird. <laughs> <laughs> but uh I'll take what I get. Absolutely. That's that's really cool. I I was talking to a buddy the other day. I, I say buddy, he's actually a kid that goes to our church. I think he's probably in he may be in high school, but he may be in he. I think he's in junior high. I think he's in middle school, and uh, the kid is eat up with it, man. He loves to hunt, and um, he's just he's one of those guys that you, like you look at, you're like you're gonna be you're gonna you're gonna cause a woman a lot of stress one day with how much you're gone deer and deer and turkey season. But uh, a guy took him out on some public land. I guess it was his first time turkey hunting on public land, and uh, it was maybe the first day of the season this year and he he ended up killing a turkey a pretty a pretty solid one and uh i saw it on facebook and i said hey congratulations man and he was like man these these public land birds are pretty easy i think i'm gonna keep doing this and i was like well you just <laughs> do it a little bit more and you'll figure it out <laughs> that it ain't easy that's awesome well at least they, at least they got them hooked you know oh dude that's man i i hope for that kind of stuff for my kids that like the first time they go out we can make something happen and then after that it's just like a struggle fest because they got to learn they got to learn that at some oh, point but uh oh yeah so that's cool so you're a you're a fighter firefighter there in uh in north florida 
Um, so I have uh, my, my buddy Adam Cruz from Tennessee. He uh, he put a thing out on Facebook I think last year, and it said, um, "If you want to be a turkey killer, uh, there these are the things that you have to do, or these are the characteristics of of people who excel in the turkey woods." And one of them's like he's not married and he doesn't have kids. So you have got five kids. How does that work for you to be able to go turkey hunt and maintain a full-time job and be dad? Well, it uh, definitely isn't easy. Um, it's it's a struggle. It, it takes a lot of balance. Um, sometimes I'm not that great at the balance part, but I try. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, with my job, I do have a lot of time off, uh, but – you know, with all the kids and um, running around and just trying to to balance things out, it, it gets tough. But the way it works out, I, I have my daughters and uh, my uh, my wife. She has three of her own, so we're kind of a blended family. But whenever my daughters are with their mom, um, I try to get out a little bit more then. So it's I don't leave my my wife with all five kids at the same time. <laughs> try to <laughs> I try to keep the stress off of her if I can. Um, but yeah, it's just balance, and that's that's easier said than done. And uh, but yeah, that's that's my biggest tip there is just try your best to balance it out. Are you saying Are you saying you have five daughters? Uh, we have four daughters and, four daughters. and one son. I gotcha. I gotcha. Rain- yeah. I was about to say, man, like that's that makes it even tougher. You got all girls. You're the only man in the house. That's uh, oh yeah. Tough. No, we, me and me and my son are still outnumbered, but I've yeah. got at least one other one. <laughs> that's awesome. So, so you you kind of started turkey hunting in the, later in life. Um, like I hear a lot of guys, you know, nowadays that are um, like yourself, who you know, you deer hunted, squirrel hunted, whatever, growing up, and at some point got hooked on turkeys and usually it's a very similar story to, to what you said you know in, here in the south um i'm not going to say everywhere has a great turkey population but uh most places you can if you're on a hunting club or or even if you hunt public land um you can you can find turkeys you know somewhere close by and um i mean that's almost the same way it happened for me man getting started hunting easterns i was living in georgia i was on a lease and just kind of decided, hey, I'm going to, I hadn't hunted turkeys in a long time since I was in Texas. I'm going to try hunting these Easterns. How hard can it be? And uh, <laughs> I learned real quick how hard it can be. But man, it just, something about it just got stuck in me. And I remember when I feel, when I, when I first killed my first Eastern, and I was like, I, last week's episode was with Walter Lee and we were talking about how uh, he thinks that turkey hunting is better than deer hunting he likes turkey hunting better than deer hunting and we kind of debated that but uh uh yeah. I, I said in that moment i was like i think i might like this better than deer hunting I, of course i, I I'd, be, it'd be a stretch for me to say that now but just the feeling of it man you get hooked it gets in your skin under your skin and then these stinking birds man like they after you've killed one and then it takes a whole lot of work to kill the next one it's just like Whenever you can make that happen, it is a feeling unlike any other. And then, aside from that, you're 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 talking to them, and you're 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 really kind of convincing them with a sound to come in your direction. And that's that's a a really cool kind of intimate part of turkey hunting. Um, and a lot of guys who are adult, kind of the adult onset hunters like yourself, um, and and I guess me, you could consider me in that when it comes to turkey hunting man some sometimes we become the most hardcore at it we just we can't we can't shake it and so uh so yeah. kind of talking to you a, a little bit before we before we recorded and on facebook and stuff um you had an extra good season this year but when you started out you know you had pretty decent seasons can you kind of explain um you know how that uh evolution happened for you leading up to this season yeah yeah so uh like i said when i when i first started i was in a pretty good lease here in north florida and um i had i dare say it was compared to what i've experienced since it was somewhat easy back then <laughs> um like i said me and my cousin we got both of us are ate up with deer hunting and uh 
when we got the turkey bug, it it uh it just it kept ro- ball kept rolling right downhill with that. Come turkey season, we're ate up with turkeys. So um, you know, I kind of I, I tagged out that first year, and then after that, it was you know right on the struggle bus and I found out what real turkey hunting was like, <laughs> but, uh, uh, I've had some leases in South Georgia and, you know, a lot of field birds. It's not easy, but you can always locate birds on fields, peanut fields, cotton fields. Um, you can always locate the birds at least. You may not be able to kill them, but you know, where you know where they're at, but then you get on some of these, uh, these big WMAs and, uh, state forests and stuff like that. And, it's a whole different ball game just locating the birds to start with. So, uh, once I started hunting public land here in Florida and, uh, a bigger lease, it was just a big pine plantation, basically a lot of, uh, pine rows, clear cuts, Creek bottoms. That's when I, I really figured out like, Hey, this is, <laughs> I'm going to have to start locating these birds and come up with some tactics. It's not just go to the field and, and see where they're roosting at. So, um, I went from, from South Georgia, I lost my lease up there, and I got in a, a lease here in North Florida, and that was that was last year. So uh, I was on the struggle bus pretty bad last year, and I didn't didn't hunt any public land other than a couple of quota hunts here. But I killed one bird like midway through the season, and uh, it was just I, I just wasn't hearing a whole lot of gobbling last year. Um, I don't know if it was a bad bad hatch two years before that or what, but I found one bird and I got hung up on him 105 days and then finally ended up killing him on that fifth day, I hunted him. But, uh, that was just basically patterning him. And then he still, even then he still didn't want to respond. I, uh, ended up gobbling on a box call, which I had never tried before. <laughs> and his hands, his hands came towards me and that was enough to kind of take him off. And he came in on a, on a string after that. And, that was that that was my one turkey for last year and that so last year was my toughest year i want to talk about that for just a second because that is probably in what i have seen that is the um I, i'm not going to say the least popular i think a lot of guys probably do it but when you when you think about turkey calls you're always you're always thinking about yelps uh clucks purrs things like that you're not really always thinking about a gobble. Have you, is that something that you've done um, before or done since then? And has it worked other than that just that one time? I'd never done it before. Um, there's actually one of the fire inspectors, the department I work at, he was telling me about it. He's like, oh yeah. He's like, take your box call and, and shake that thing. And he's like, if from a distance, it sounds better than you think. And uh, I was kind of, it, my wits in, I didn't know what else to do. I could, I could see the birds out in these open pines, but they weren't doing anything. They were just, the hens were steadily carrying that, that bird away from me. So I was like, yeah, what do I, what do I have to lose? You know? So I gobbled and the hen started drifting towards me and he gobbled back at me. So I was like, well, maybe this thing works. And I gobbled again. Five minutes later, that bird was sitting on the ground in front of me dead. So, um, I have used it since then. So, I was going to say that that's really interesting. And I've tried it, you know, a couple times, especially when I've got birds in view like that. Um, but my, my normal intention is not to get the hens to come to me. My normal intention is to piss off that gobbler and let him come to me. But what you said is, is actually makes a whole lot more sense because it's kind of the natural process of the, the wild turkey. You gobble and the hens go to them. We actually talked about it in the episode last week. We had a hen come in, and she was kind of hanging out in our in the field. I was, it was like, I guess midweek last week, and uh, me and Drew were out there, and this hen pitched down, was in the field hanging out, and all of a sudden a gobbler gobbled. Um, and so we started working him. Well, she, as soon as he gobbled, she hightailed it. She just, like, pivoted and hightailed it in his direction which is what they do. Like that was interesting to see that happen kind of in the wild, you know? And so kind of thinking about that, I know that's not the main part of this, this podcast, but that's an interesting thing for anybody listening to this. Um, Don't, don't, uh, don't forget that. I mean, 
that's a very much a, a, a tactic to use while you're in the woods on hung up birds, especially if they got hens with them. Um, I think that's, I think yeah. that's interesting. So, so have you had it work since then? I have. And like, like you were talking about, I, I kind of avoided it before because I thought, you know, I, for one thing, I didn't think it sounded realistic. Um, but I just, I'd always been told, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to gobble and you're going to draw in other hunters to you. But yeah, the WMA I've been hunting in South Georgia or a couple of WMAs I've been hunting. I got on a bird, uh, it was Sunday, Saturday. I think it was Saturday morning of last week. And, uh, he was kind of, he didn't gobble off the roost, but I knew he was around. So I uh, tried to gobble finally about 10 o'clock. I gobbled on the box call and he fired off and he was like 150 yards and uh, he wasn't coming to it, but it, it got him, it got him to gobble when nothing else would. Mm-hmm. So um ended up making some moves and he was kind of going around this island of oak trees out in this um, swamp strand. Finally, um, I got to within about 50 yards of him. I just couldn't see him through the palmettos. And uh, I gobbled, and he, he gobbled back, and he was, started to close the distance because he gobbled about three times in a row, just hammering. And I'm, I've got my safety off, and I'm thinking it's going to happen any second. And then some hogs caught my wind on that island and ran right at it, like of all the directions <laughs> they could have run. <laughs> they ran right at this gobbler turkey, and, and he shut up, and I never heard him again. But I think it was going to work that time. But I've I've used it to to strike birds, mm-hmm. but I haven't used it specifically to uh, to get one to cut to come in. Not just yeah. that bird last year. Wow, that's cool. So uh, I kind of I kind of hijacked your story a little bit. Um, so that was when when that worked. That was last year. That was the only bird you shot last year, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that was the only bird I shot last year, and uh, I didn't have a didn't have a, a lease to hunt in Georgia, and that's when I decided, yeah, I was going to start hunting public land because I do it for deer. You know, why not expand my horizons for turkey? And sure. there's some, I mean, there's so many acres available to hunt. It's just, it's almost endless uh, if you really do your homework and and start researching all these WMAs out there. It is, man. I I remember. I remember that evolution for me whenever I started really kind of learning like, Oh, public land's not just for poor people. <laughs> like there's great opportunities. Yeah. Like this is not, this should not be a rich man's sport. And, and it's really not. I mean, I was, I'm planning on going to Tennessee. Uh, I'll be in Tennessee there the whole last week of their season. Uh, I'm going to take just a little solo road, road trip, maybe hunt with a few buddies up there. Um, and just kind of looking around at the at the opportunities that are there, it's just it's unreal, you know. I mean, they have there's so many places that you could go, and so I don't really know how to how to just decide on one. So I've got like five or six that are marked that I plan on trying to visit at some point. If I, as long as I don't get on goblin birds, you know, if I get on get on them in the first place that I go to, then I'm going to stay there, obviously. But I'm not going to leave. But uh, I mean, it's just so many opportunities. Yeah. They're in, they're absolutely endless. You're you're totally right. So you decided this this season to hunt public land. What are some um, steps that you took to kind of figure out, you know, what places you were going to go to? Where were you going to key in on things like that? Right. So well, I, I had it. I had a good, pretty good deer season last year. So I was able to uh, all I had left were doe tags in Georgia. So I went to some WMAs up there and I was just mostly scouting, but I would find a spot to sit the last hour of daylight or whatever. And, uh, that's what I did with those WMAs. I was more or less just scouting for turkeys. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to find, uh, uh, spots in the, in the river swamp up there that, uh, they would be, you know, roost sites, uh, anywhere I thought that they might, they might be, uh, feeding and scratching on those in those hardwood strands and, and uh, river bottoms up there, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I was walking around, dropping pins, and um, you know, the deer were just uh, an excuse for me to get up there. But <laughs> I was I was planning for turkey season the whole time, and uh, since I've found some really good deer hunt spots, but um, 
it's it's a win-win. I just you know it's it's never a wasted trip when you get in the woods, even if you don't hear a gobble or you don't you don't see a deer. You're you're either dropping pins or you're you're ruling out areas. So. Yeah. So when you as you're doing that, you know, looking for looking for turkey areas during deer season, and I, I mean, that's a hard thing for me to do, honestly. Like, I will lately in the last two weeks i've done a lot of deer scouting just simply because the turkeys aren't gobbling at all um in the areas that i hunt either they're not gobbling or they just don't exist there i I haven't figured that out yet but um but i've been doing a whole lot of a whole lot of deer deer scouting um really marking a lot of waypoints finding trails it's kind of it's kind of uh you know i I love deer season and that's kind of what i live for I love the turkey hunt, um, but as I established in last week's episode, I, I can't quite say that I like it better than deer hunting. Um, but it's really hard right. for me to say I'm going to go turkey scout during deer season. I don't know how you did that. Like that's uh, that's that's tough for me oh, to do. I think the only reason it was possible is because I didn't have any more buck tags left. So. <laughs> oh, okay. I got you. I got you. So you were out of buck tags. You're just you're just doe hunting. I see. That makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so go- going into this season, was your plan to try to tag out in Florida and then go to Georgia? Or was it kind of just you're going to mix mix it up as as the season went on? Oh, I, I mean, yeah, basically. I, my club is my, in Florida. The club I was in, I didn't get back in because they're clear-cutting almost the whole thing. But um, – it, it was getting pressure. I knew it was going to get pressure pretty hard. Um, luckily, there was a really good. There must have been a good hatch of jakes two years ago because everywhere I went in that club seems like I found birds. But yeah, opening day, I uh, I was able to um, kill a what I call a super jake. <laughs> he was gobbling, and I had, honestly I had no clue he was a jake till I shot him. But I'm not uh, I'm not opposed to killing a jake, but. First day, opening day, I wasn't going to do it, but it is. He came in goblin and uh, he, you uh, gobble like a man, you die like killed, a man. So. That's right, that's right. My, my setup that morning, opening morning, actually got messed up. I was sitting on a side road with a, a lot of strut signs, and I knew there was a chance somebody would drive by, but you know, we have to tag out. I was like, maybe they'll be courteous. No, eight thirty, some guy comes driving by and. He, Hops out, had no clue I was there. Started squawking on a box call, and then he left. I'm like, "Well, I don't think the strutter's going to come through here." So, and that was I, uh, that was in your that was in your um, uh, club, that was right? In my hunt club. In yeah. your hunting club. <laughs> That's crazy, man. So, I have noticed this. I have noticed this big time uh, as I hunt public land. My hunts on public land, if you will, if you work hard which I do, I, I do my absolute best to get away from people. Um, and if I'm going to hunt at a place where there is a chance of seeing people, I'm going to do my best to get there before anybody go deeper than anybody. Just simply like, I would rather not see deer than get my, uh, hunt messed up by somebody else. Like I just, golly, it drives me absolutely crazy. Um, when somebody else comes walking in at eight thirty doing whatever the heck they want like that that drives me nuts but i when i was on when i was on leases and clubs i have found that my hunts get um i i feel like there's less pressure on some of the public land that i hunt than there was on my clubs and like situations like that would happen all the time especially if you were hunting a box blind or or one of the green fields or ladder stands like people would mess it up all the dang time so that's just an interesting thing, you know, that um, private land can be, I mean, it ain't a walk in the park just because you're on private land. Like, it can be tough. It can be really tough to get away from people. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Same same here. You know, I've, I've had a lot more pressure on private land the last few years than I have public. <laughs> yeah. So so you killed this 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 Super Jake on opening day. Um after after all that stuff happens, was that like a like an afternoon bird or a late morning bird or something like that? Yeah, I think it was ten forty five when I ended up killing him. I just I got up and walked down that road because I'd heard birds that morning. But um, yeah, I, I 
thought they were coming to me. I, I was called and they responded and they were making progress. So I was kind of letting it play out. Um, and then it got, it got flubbed up with that, with that guy. But I, uh, walked down that road towards where I, I thought they probably spent some time in the middle of the day from, from my scouting, uh, in this little Creek bottom. And sure enough, they were on the edge of the Creek bottom and some open pines. Um, I didn't hear him. I just, uh, or I didn't see him. I, I heard him gobble at like 10 o'clock. So I crawled in there and, uh, they kind of shut up on me and I'm assuming now looking back that they're with hens, but 45 minutes later, they started gobbling again. And I, I did some excited yelps, then some, some Jake caulking on the, on my box call. And they came in pretty quick. I think it was within five minutes later, I was standing over a dead bird. Um, hmm. I was pretty jacked, pretty jacked up about that. Oh yeah, man. That's, <laughs> but, uh, that's cool. I think the long beard was behind the Jake, but, uh, I saw a redhead and he, I saw him gobble. So, and he was at 40 yards and they gobble in your face like that. It's, it's hard to restrain yourself. <laughs> oh, dude. Hey, listen, you're talking to a guy that even if they don't gobble in my face, if I see, if I can tell it's a male bird, I'm probably going to shoot it. Like at this point, Yeah. <laughs> like I'm, I'm just not, I'm not going to be picky about it. So um, so you, you had that one happen. Then obviously you had one more tag to fill in Florida. And that was, was that on that same lease? It was. So, um, after I killed that, that bird, I took some pictures and I was just kind of relaxing by the truck there. And I heard another bird fire off. Um, I'm assuming it was, it was the other, it was the long beard that was with that Jake. So I kind of hung him up in the tree in the shade and, uh, I got my vest back on. I went after this bird and I crawled through the creek bottom. He was on the other side now in some open pines and I could only get so close. I could see him. I saw him strutting. I sat on this bird for 45 minutes until he finally just kind of strutted away, but he didn't have hens and I guess he had a short memory. Didn't forget about his buddy getting shot and he was strutting and gobbling and responding to me, but it was a bad setup, but it was, it was what I had. So didn't kill him then. Went back the next morning and got on the same bird and ended up doing some crawling and then same thing. The hens left him about nine thirty and uh he ended up coming into a bunch of bunch of cutting and some Jake caulking again. I I'm really liking that this year. This <laughs> is the Jake Yelps. Yeah. Yeah, that's man, that's a yeah. that's a deadly one to learn if you can do it. That's for dang sure. So here here you are two days two days after the season starts, so you're tagged out in the first two days of the season. Um, now you're yep. now you're moving on to Florida. So you said something, uh, you said something to me on Facebook, and then you said it, you said it again, talking about um, going and scouting a lot during deer season. So you had already had, I guess, an idea of where you wanted to go in Georgia, um, and you're talking about. Did you say it was Southeast Georgia? Yeah, Southeast Georgia. Um, yeah, well, some of the river swamps down here. Okay. Close to the state line. So one of the things that you said is like, Hey, this is just a lot of scouting. And obviously you scouted deer and deer season. Like you mentioned, what, what was your scouting process? Like, what were you looking for? What were the things you were marking on your map or whatever? Um, how did you kind of make that all come together? So I was trying to think pretty basic to start with, uh, you know, I know birds roosted, like to roost over or near water, so I started um, in the river bottoms. Well, probably 60% of the, the stuff that I scouted ended up getting ruled out because the flooding around here has been terrible, uh, especially right before turkey season. So when I went back to scout, everything that I was planning on hunting was underwater. I mean, all of it. So. <laughs> I bought a I bought a canoe and I got to some of the high spots in there, but the birds were just pushed out. Um, so I I kind of had to to step back and, and punt. I, I scouted some stuff away from the river and uh, a couple of walk-in areas. And I get to the gates and they're not walk-in um, anymore. They've got they've got the gates open for turkey season. So that right there almost scared me away to just try somewhere else. But I ended up trying it anyways, and sure enough. Um, the the birds that I scouted were still in there. This was the second weekend of the season. It was the first time I hunted uh, in that in that WMA in Georgia. But um, 
I got on birds those first first two mornings. Um, they were gobbling, but I couldn't make anything happen. And then the, the third morning was then I ended up killing my first bird in Georgia. Wow, so but, it, was, it was pretty fast, pretty quick. Um, how are you? Yeah. As you're as you're in there, you know, you've done some scouting, obviously, but maybe the scouting kind of wasn't uh, didn't do quite as well for you just because of all the all the flooding and all that stuff. So you're kind of kind of sort of shooting from the hip, for lack of better words, um, but you still went out there and made it happen in three days, which is pretty quick. So what what would you say? Um, were the biggest factors that went into, aside from scouting, the biggest factors that went into being able to go in and be successful that first day? Um, well, another thing I left out with the scouting, I forgot. I uh, I found some private uh, pastures that kind of bordered. They weren't, didn't really border, but they're somewhat near uh, the line. And uh, I was like, I'm going to go check those out. I know, I know there's going to be birds around there. And it's uh, it's on private land, but maybe those birds will migrate out to the public. And uh, sure enough, one of the one of the pastures had some um, some birds gobbling in it the first morning. I went to listen there. And I was like, well, that's that's great, but they're 200 yards from the line. It's probably not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I kept that and then you know put that in my back pocket and uh, started scouting the it pretty much the water line in these creek bottoms. And I ended up seeing some hens, and these hens were walking around plucking crawfish out of the water and eating them. Um, so that kind of opened my eyes. I'd, I've heard that before, but I never witnessed it. And uh, I was like, well, maybe they're down here in these creek bottoms. So the next morning I went to a creek bottom, and sure enough, I heard four different birds, and uh, they were landing. I mean, I could hear them landing in the water. I didn't get on them, but I heard them land in the water <laughs> wow. from the roost. and. I was like, yep. So this is that was a pattern that I kind of stuck in my back pocket. But uh, yeah, that those are the two main ones. I ended up the first bird I killed. He, there's a about 200 yards of creek bottom between one of those private pastures and the uh, the property line um, of the public. And I sat up there in that third morning and. I was kind of yelping to them and they were responding, but I was like, there's no, there's no way they're leaving that pasture. So I got up to leave and uh, I'm walking down the fire break and all of a sudden I hear him gobble and he's 50 yards from the line. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. So <laughs> I backed up on a tree looking down the fire break and I could kind of see uh, through this, it's a three strand barbed wire fence separating the land from the private. And I could see over there and uh, four birds came up. There's at least a couple of them that were long beers. I'm sure some were Jake's, but the strutter was in front and uh, he was gobbling. And I didn't, I didn't do anything else. I just shut up, and he came uh, right up to the edge of that fence. And I was like, oh no, he's just going to strut right there on the other side of the line forever. But <laughs> as soon as he came to that fence, he broke strut, popped underneath it, and immediately went back in strut. And I couldn't believe it. I, I, <laughs> I probably waited 30 seconds just to make sure. I was like, that really just happened this bird strutting in front of me at 30 yards and, <laughs> you know, that fence didn't phase him. So yeah, I shot him right there on the fire break about three feet on the public. <laughs> Man, I I know that all too well. I think I got you beat though. The last bird that I killed, uh, I think he was like maybe a foot. He was definitely on the public. So I want to get that, make that very clear. He was definitely on the <laughs> public side, but I mean, he was barely on the public side. Like, uh, his tail feathers may have still been across the line a little bit. Um, <laughs> it was, it was pretty nuts. But that's that's so cool. Whenever something works out like that, and like, I feel like I always um, underestimate maybe what could happen. Like with that bird that I'm talking about, he was gobbling in a private field, and it was just like I sat down. And thought nah, this is probably not going to happen. Why is it? Why would he leave? Why would he leave that? Like that's where he wants to be at. He's not going to leave and come to this like steep, you know, ridge side. It's just not going to happen. But man, it worked out. And uh, it always seems like that's the way that it happens. Like you give up, and then all of a sudden, 
it works somehow. And uh, so yeah. that's that's pretty cool. So here you are, you know, three hunts into it. You get three tags in Georgia, right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Three tags in Georgia. So we got a couple more to talk about still. Um, so you're, <laughs> you're three days into this. What what What's your um, thought process now? So, you know, you've kind of found an area where there seems to be a lot of goblin birds. Are you going back to that same area? Are you venturing out to new ground? What What's your what What are you doing after that? Well, the uh, the next couple hunts I that I was able to go up there, I uh, I went back to the same area, but it uh, didn't really didn't pan out or wherever the case was that they were responding, but kind of hinged up, I guess you could say. I just couldn't make anything happen, and uh, so when I left there, I was just trying to strike birds in other places, but I really wasn't having any luck. Uh, I'm able to. I'm blessed to be able to hunt during the week some with my job, but when I was there on the weekends, there was a, tr- a truck or several trucks parked at every gate, so couldn't really venture off too far. You know, mm-hmm. I uh, I had to stay pretty close to where my truck was parked because I didn't want to mess anybody else up. But so I, you know, after striking out in other places, I just say, you know what, I I know this bird's over here. I'm just gonna come over here and comb through this area and, and just kind of camp out on them. And if, if it doesn't happen in the morning, I'm going to hang out and wait and uh, try to make something happen later in the morning. So yeah, that the second bird uh, was in, you know, in that group of four that I heard on the second day over in a Creek bottom, pretty much a, adjacent to that um, where I killed the first bird at. He was across um, a big old, bunch of pine rows and a, and a dirt road and then and the next creek bottom but ended up going in that morning and it was rainy um actually took off the first eight hours of work and i went in before work but it was rainy and uh windy and i was not really expecting much but i had to try so went in there and set up and i just kind of lucked out i knew where he was roosted the last time i was there i didn't expect him to be roosted in the same definitely not the same tree but i think he was in the exact same tree <laughs> wow because uh yeah I, I, I didn't go into the creek bottom because there's a lot of palmettos it's kind of hard to walk in there without making a bunch of noise but i set up right on the edge and uh come daylight um, didn't hear anything so i waited till about the time i thought they should fly down and i kind of gave a little fly down cackle and beat my wing on the ground and through, through the trees and stuff and then I heard a bird fly down out there in the creek bottom. So I'm thinking, you know, probably a gobbler, hopefully. Um, but I didn't hear any hen yelping, didn't hear any goblin, nothing. So then I started yelping some more, and he gobbled at me. And I was like, all right, he might be coming. So um, I waited, nothing, yelped some more, didn't really hear much. And then a cow over on the private pasture, way in the distance, kind of mooed. And this bird gobbles at him, and he's he's 50 yards from me, 50 or 60. And uh, I was like, all right, click the safety off. And five minutes later, he's coming through the Palmettos, and I busted him. <laughs> so that was a quick one. That's uh, that's about the way that you was, want it to work it was, out. Yeah, that was perfect. It was unexpected roost hunt. I, I didn't know I didn't know he was going to be there, but I'm glad he was. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's in the exact same tree. Well, that's that's important too. I mean. You know, a lot of guys are going to look at the days like that, the rainy, cloudy, windy, and they're going to be like, ah, that's not, it's, that's not going to be, it's not going to be good. I don't want to go. Um, I'm not going to waste my time. But a lot of times that can be a, I mean, that could be a really good time, especially if you've got some type of experience, you kind of know the area or you have an idea where a bird might be roosted. I think that's, I think that's, you know, maybe the most important part in that story is just, you know, taking mental notes or even marking on your Onyx maps or, or whatever, trying to find uh, or marking those those areas where you've heard birds gobble. You know, every time you hear a gobble, just mark it. At least give a, if, if you don't know exactly where it's out at, an estimated spot. Um, that seemed to work out pretty dang good, yeah. good for you. So what was the, how many days were in between those, those two Georgia birds? Uh, 
I believe it was a, I believe it was about a week. Um, okay. Yeah, it was about a week, maybe maybe a little less, but it wasn't too long. So you got a lot of thoughts running through your mind at this point, I'm sure. Like, holy cow, I might have a chance to tag out in two states. That's a that's a pretty big deal, you know. Um, what was your? Is that kind of how you were feeling? Like, there's no way this is really happening in real life right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd I'd locate a lot of birds before the season, but you know, hearing birds before the season and then actually make it happen. There's a million little things that have to go right for you to kill that that bird. Uh, yeah. So it was a long, I knew it was a long shot, but I had planned to go to Kentucky. Actually, I was just going to wait um, until if I, if I tagged out, then I was going to buy my Kentucky license and head up there because I'm going to be deer hunting there this fall. But all this Corona stuff, it kind of messed up all my plans yeah, as far think, as going out of state like that. I think uh, I think Kentucky is one of the states that won't let non-residents in to hunt turkeys. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. right now. Right now, um, yeah. They suspended all, all non-resident license sales um, back when all this stuff started. So, man, <laughs> kind of messed up my plans as far as Kentucky goes. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. All right, so um, kind of moving into this last bird, this kind of the story of it, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it for a second, um, and then we'll get into a speed round real quick. But um, so you you you've got two birds on the ground uh, in Florida. You got two birds on the ground in Georgia. Let's talk about this last bird. Tell me how that went down. So before the last bird, uh, there was four hunts, almost consecutive days i had had some time off from work um or i uh was after this one bird um he was one of the other four that i located that second weekend of the season but like i said this is one of this is that same bird that the hogs ran off whenever i gobbled at him he was so close but he uh four mornings i'm chasing this bird around this island and i just i even the third morning, I tried not calling to him. I just let him gobble, and I tried to get in front of him, and that didn't even work. <laughs> he just he had hens with him. I could hear it. They were, they were yelping back at me, and every time I made a call, they would take him in the other direction. It seemed like so. Um, but yeah, I, I stayed with that bird till two, three o'clock, uh, a couple of those days, and and then he was he was still gobbling, but he just he didn't care about me, so. <laughs> This uh, then the the last bird. Um, I was actually supposed to go that morning. There's some thunderstorms. Uh, this was just a few days ago, but I had a buddy call me. Uh, he got released from work early that day because of all this corona stuff, and uh, he's like, "Hey, did you go this morning?" I said, "No." Nah. It was storming. I'm thinking about going this evening. He said, "I want to go." So I was like, "All right, I'll meet up with you. We'll go up there. I know where there's some birds, even if they don't gobble." Maybe we can roost one for the next morning. So we uh, we went up there, and sure enough, we get there to the edge of this creek bottom, and pure luck, we end up seeing this bird strutting in a sunny spot in the creek bottom, <laughs> and uh, couldn't believe it. We didn't never this this is the only hunt I've had this year. I didn't make a call. We just we saw these birds, and we thought there was more than one long beard, but we knew there were several several. Uh, gobblers we just couldn't tell if they were jakes or what but so we get in a getting in front of this flock and uh they just kind of drift past his feeding um in that creek bottom and he he'd only killed one bird this year so the long beard came first i said you, you know you take a shot and then i'll get on one of these jakes or if, hopefully there's another long beard behind it he shot and i couldn't find the long beard so in the sake of doubling up and tagging out i uh I shot another super Jake, <laughs> as I like to call it, but uh wasn't gobbling this time, but he he was full fanned he just didn't have a, didn't have a very good beard and not much for spurs, but uh he was my tag out bird, and uh, me and him doubled so it was it was a pretty great afternoon, heck yeah, man, that's cool as heck like i don't think uh I don't think I've ever had a a double that's that's a that's a memorable way to tag out in Georgia like that's that's cool. I think I, th- I always try to take, especially with with guests that we have on the podcast. I always try to t- try to find, 
you know, just the small lessons that can be learned from each story, you know, because I would say this this podcast is, is more of, you know, you telling us the story about it um, rather than necessarily a tactics-based podcast. But if you want to take something out of this, um, man, that story would be like just because you can't go first thing in the morning doesn't mean that you can't have a good chance to kill a bird um, if you, you know, you said it was pure luck, but. I mean, half the battle's going, you know, so you, you went that day, y'all were able to get two birds, man, that's cool. That's a, that's a, that's an awesome story. So if you had to sum up one, if you had to say one thing that went into this being such a good season, what would that be? I'd say persistence. I mean, between the, the river swamp being flooded up there, I was, I was pretty down when I, all that scouting or most of that scouting went, was kind of down the drain. Um, but stuck with it. I, I kept scouting and, uh, finding new areas and then even persistence on the days of the hunt, because there was a couple of those hunts where there were no gobbles off the roost. And in the past, in my earlier days, I would have probably went to the house or, you know, I went and started scouting for deer, but they ended up, starting to gobble later on in the morning, nine thirty, ten 10 o'clock, um, when the hens start drifting away from them, they start getting lonely, I guess, uh, start gobbling again. That, And then even if it's raining, you know, go ahead and go. If, if you've got the time to go and, and you, you can get away, take advantage of it. You know, weatherman's wrong sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he was wrong today. I'll tell you that. It was supposed to be rain and thunderstorms all day today, and it was just clouds and sun peaked i didn't go today because i was like Man, i don't want to be stuck out there on the water in a thunderstorm and it, it it was bad for a little bit this morning and then it cleared off mid-morning i was like crap <laughs> i could have went turkey hunting yeah and they were probably gobbling uh, mid-morning they, they probably <laughs> were you're probably exactly right uh <laughs> But uh, well, man, that's 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 neat, man. I'm I'm happy for you. Congratulations on killing five birds, man. That's that's a good stinking season. That's one to remember for sure. Uh, but what I, one thing I've been trying to do with these turkey podcasts is uh, just a speed round of questions to end off the episode, and um, just to give people an idea of maybe some of the equipment you're using um, and things like that. So uh, we'll start out with. A uh, very simple question, and that is: Are you what? What kind of gun are you using? I've got a Mossberg. It's a Moss. It's actually a, a Maverick. Uh, it's uh, the first gun I started turkey on with, and it's kind of like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's, yeah. a, it's a thirty-inch full choke um, uh, barrel. No, no choke tubes. Not even threaded for one. Um, uh, but it, it shoots, I shoot three inch long beard XRs out of it, number sixes. And, uh, I haven't, I take that back. I did, uh, I did miss a bird this year. That was, that was, uh, that one, hundred for four days. That was my first bird I've shot at with these and missed, but that wasn't the gun of the shells fault. That was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that, that, Is, that's my gun. And I got, I got a red, true glow red dot on it. Is that is it the Maverick eighty eight? It is. Yeah, I'm sitting here looking at mine. I've got one of those. That was the first first shotgun I ever got. Um, and this is actually the first year that I'm not using it. I bought a Remington eight seventy, uh, right before turkey season. But man, that Maverick eighty eight, it always uh, it always did a good job. And I think I'm pretty sure Walter, who was our guest last week, uh, Walter's hunting with a Maverick eighty eight as well. Which is pretty neat. Have two two guys on the podcast hunt with Maverick eighty eight. That's pretty pretty awesome. Um, yeah, it, it works. Yeah, it does. And the thing about that gun is, is that you can beat the crap out of it, and it's still going to shoot. Like I beat mine to heck, and it still works just fine. Oh yeah. Um. All right. So moving on, we we haven't asked guests this question in the past, but um, in honor of last week's episode with Walter. Um, are you more of a deer hunter or more of a turkey hunter? Oh Lord, that's a tough one. <laughs> uh, it's kind of one of those things. If you ask me now, I'm probably going to say turkey hunter, but if you ask me come 
September, I'm going to say deer hunter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. Uh, I'm, I'm, made, I'm made up with both of them, so. I got you, I got you. All right, so mountain birds or field birds? Or woods birds or field birds, I guess. You don't have mountains down there. I like wood, woods birds more, for sure. Yeah. Is not, there... not to say field birds are easy, but there's just something about killing one in the woods. Yeah, I understand that, I understand that. All right, um, moving on. If you had to choose between a grilled turkey breast or a fried turkey nugget, what are you going to choose? Fried, fried all the way. We actually had that for dinner last night. Oh yeah. Hey, we did a we did actually. Um, I, all this time, I probably would have said fried turkey nuggets and uh, not thought twice about it. But I did a like a pulled pulled barbecue with the turkey legs a couple days ago. And, uh, I think, yeah. I think that might be my new favorite recipe. We, it was so stinking really? good. Oh my gosh. We, it was just like a slow cooker. Uh, I put some barbecue sauce in there. I'm like a, I'm like a, I, the way that I cook is not, I don't really use like recipes or anything. I'm just like, eh, this would probably be good in it. And this would probably be good in it. And I'll just throw some of this in there. And man, I, I got lucky. Right. It turned yeah. out, it turned out perfect. My, my whole family loved it. So uh, I think that's how I would answer that question. If somebody ever asked me that, I really like that pulled, uh, pulled leg. That was stinking good. All right. So uh, my next Let's question, my next question, you uh, you already answered, and that was, uh, what kind of turkey loads are you using? And you said the Longbeard XR number six. Yeah, that's correct. Have you ever used anything else other than that? Uh, yeah. When I uh, I used when I first started, probably the first three years I was turkey and I was using a uh, heavy shot. Okay. And, uh, back then I just had, I had a, like a 24 inch barrel, single shot, 12 gauge, but, uh, those were number fours. I had no, I didn't know much about turkey and or turkey loads. I just know they worked even though I was, I was killing birds 30 yards or less, but, uh, yeah. they were working. So. Heck yeah. And, uh, and then my next question, I think you already answered that. I was going to ask what kind of choke tube that you use, but you're not using one. No, it's just a just an old school full choke barrel. That's awesome. That's really cool. I, I, I it's a, that's the thing, man. Is like people get so consumed by that kind of stuff, um, and I, I'm guilty of it. Like I get consumed by it as well. But at the end of the day, oh, man, yeah. like you can get a couple pellets in that head or in that neck. You're probably going to kill him. He'll die. <laughs> so, yeah. two years ago, I killed one with that gun at 58 yards. I, I didn't know that when I shot him. I thought he was closer, but <laughs> wow, that's uh, cool. Oh, yeah. So let me ask you this: What is your bucket list turkey hunt? Like, it, whatever state, um, how does that look for you? Uh, well, I'm I'm, one, I'm trying to plan out and go for my grand slam next year, but something about those Miriams, man, those. Miriam's out in like Montana, Wyoming, calling them in from long distances. That I just, I, I really want to go try that. Uh, those those white white fans too. It's it's just a pretty bird. Heck yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I'd like to go try it. And from what everybody has told me, is if you if you've cut your teeth on easterns, and that's how you, and you can kill an eastern, you can just about kill any turkey. Um, any turkey subspecies out there, uh, and I, I know for sure you can kill rios. I've had experience hunting rios, and they're it, it's just it's just not even on the same level as easterns. It's so much easier. But um, I'm right there with you, man. I think I'd like to go do a hunt like that. I think that'd be a lot of fun. All right, so here's the last question, and uh, and I already know the answer to this because you've already answered it. Um, but will you kill a Jake? Well, yeah, clearly. <laughs> yeah, I will. It's it's not my first choice, but uh, you know, it is what it is. It's a yeah. gobbler. Yeah, I'm 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 with you, dude. Like, I try I try to say like every time I go out, like I'm not gonna shoot a Jake if if it comes out. But it, I know at the end of the day, if it does, um, I'm not a good enough turkey hunter at this point to let one walk. <laughs> But the crazy thing is, is I just don't see them a lot. Like, I just don't see a lot of turkeys out here. So, um, 
you know, if I if I see a bird, most of the time it's going to be a gobbler that I'm calling in. It's just kind of how it's always been. Yeah. So, um, well, that's cool, man. Well, Ricky, dude, um, thanks so much for coming on the show and uh, sharing those stories, man. That was that's a heck of a season to have, and uh, killing all the. I think maybe the most important part about this whole deal is you killed all those turkeys without a choke tube. So, there you go. Put that in everybody's face. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I appreciate you having me on, and I hope somebody can pick up something from it. Absolutely, absolutely. I I think they will. And, uh, man, good luck. I would say good luck for the rest of the season, but you don't really have a season left. You're you're pretty much done. So if you uh, if you get out with some buddies or something, man, I wish you, wish you guys the best of luck. All right, I appreciate it. Thanks, Parker. All right, that's going to be it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Again, thank you, Ricky, for coming on the show. I hope you guys took something out of that episode. I know uh, the remainder of turkey season, I've got um, 10 days left here in Alabama, and I've got a seven-ish day trip planned for Tennessee in May. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun, but, I'm man, I'm leaning on the stuff that guys like Ricky are teaching me and saying things that work for them. I'm definitely leaning on that, hoping hoping to be successful. I hope you guys are successful. Again, I'm going to say it. I said it at the beginning of the episode. I'll say it again. Uh, If you are successful or if you feel like you have been successful because of something that somebody said on the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, let me know about it. Send me a picture. I'll be sure to share that stuff. Man, I I really really do appreciate everybody who has done that in the past. And like I said, that's currency for me. I don't make any money off of this thing, but – Uh, I love hearing about um, success because of something that you heard on this podcast. So go and do that. You can check us out on Facebook at Southern Ground Hunting, on Instagram at Southern Ground Hunting, and you can check out the YouTube channel. That's the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. And uh, I think you're going to find a lot of content that you will enjoy there. So, guys, thanks again for listening. Make sure you tune in next week. We're going to have a brand-new episode every single week. Um, And if you're going to be out in the woods, remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next week.